Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. On today's episode, Noelle is going to tell me how to cope with personal failure. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And I, I want to be really clear that we're going to dive into this topic um, today from a coaching lens and from a lens that, that Lumia holds, which is asking questions about the bullshit messages that society gives us and, and asking questions around whether or not we actually need to listen to those messages. So let's talk about failure. I feel like it's a little bit of a taboo concept. What's your relationship with the word failure? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, when I think about my life and my story, uh, the first kind of uh check mark of failure would be my marriage uh, and then of course you know there are, uh, i have this inner conflict where i think um society uh stamps you as a failure or defective or salvage if you're divorced but i also know that coming out of that it was um one of the greatest things uh that's happened to me as far as a, a catalyst to my growth so there's a there's a song that I sing. Um, I'm sure I've sung it to you before. White supremacist, patriarchal, capitalistic society. <laughs> I don't think you've ever sang me the song. But oh, continue. I will sing it to you more and more. So when we think about um, all of the things that really trouble us, I like to look at those two things. And it's actually um, a technique that stems from the work of intersectionality. It's called ask the other question. Mm. So when I was listening to you, um, what came up for me is, okay, so if, if divorce is a failure, is it, how, what does that mean? Is it the binary? Is it the power of the binary of heteronormativity that says one man, one woman, that's it. And if you fail, you know, you're not a success. Um, is there any way that um, capitalism ties in here? Looking at, you know, marriage as a way of perpetuating, you know, shared uh, property that gets pushed down. And, you know, what about, what about white supremacy? Is there anything in there that relates to your particular um, experience? So, you know, I, I pulled out capitalism and patriarchal binary culture as, yeah, as the absolutely. two starting points. And, and the, the highlight here is saying, okay, you know, we're all humans. We live on this weird earth. There are these really big, huge dominant forces that tell us that we have to be one way or another. And when we start to call them out, they hold a little bit less power over us. When you actually really look at it, uh, see where the quote unquote failure comes from, like, like how that was slapped onto, you know, in this case, divorce. Failure is interesting to me because I also see it as something that's just a flavor of life that, mm -hmm. you know, our lives, I like to think of the concept of a life or a life well lived or a life fully lived as either a tapestry or a novel. And it would be incomplete or inaccurate to say that a human can live fully without experiencing pain, doubt, and aspects of failure from time to time. 
Yeah. You know what I see is um, everyone wanting blankets, and I think I think what we um, what we are we, we want we, we want quilts. Mm-hmm. So when I think of failure, I, I see as like patches of my story and i think what makes quilts so beautiful are the the uniqueness and of the patches how different they are as opposed to you know a blanket where it's just one solid thing yes absolutely and every patch tells a story about um a particular time one of my good friends passed away and his wife made a quilt out of all of his old t-shirts from concerts Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And you know, that's that's what's coming up for me is like the story of of this human's life. And so, you know, kind of breaking this down to the individual level, um, there, there are two concepts that I want to hit as a setup. Um, and I did mention capitalism earlier, but I want to mention it again because it pushes the idea forward that achievement and accumulation are a measure of how we uh, define ourselves in terms of worthy or not worthy as humans. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, that's ingrained in me just living in Los Angeles, um, you know, city boy um, and all around me, entrepreneurships, um, the the definition of success being uh, material objects, uh, lots of money, corner offices. So uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to, wash that out <laughs> when you know the 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 40 um you know plus years i've been on this planet's been in los angeles yeah and and right bumping up against that is this idea of toxic individualism that tells us that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps so we have to do it alone and it has to look very specific and if we don't we're doing it wrong and there's something wrong with us and maybe this is the beginning with uh, how to cope with personal failure is to, um, to shake that etch a sketch, you know, that definition. To, um, because if you keep trying to trace your life from that blueprint, it's always going to, um, failure is always going to be something bad, negative, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, putting in the coaching lens here, putting in the positive psychology lens here, when we actually look at the science versus the cultural anthropology, what we do know is that every single human is capable of giving and receiving care, love, support, being part of community, partnering with others to reach goals, and that flourishing itself doesn't look anything like that blueprint. It actually includes healthy relationships, having a good mental state, a good relationship with your emotions, mm-hmm. um, having a, a strong and healthy body, honoring your authentic strengths, um, having causes, passion, or even a spiritual outlook that's greater than you. And, and all of these things create flow and harmony in life. You know, what's interesting is... Uh... The things that you're saying now, uh, which are very important to me today as a, as a 49-year-old than you know, when I was in my 20s, um, the things that you're saying now, having flow, harmony, um, um, living on a spiritual plane, uh, you know, meaningful relationships, all of that stuff, if you actually um, build a life that hangs on that, uh, the byproduct of that is success. <laughs> I think you have the most potential for, uh, you know, the... Um, 
what the world defines as success if if you start to live in that way um it, it's that whole thing you know i talk about living um inside out instead of outside in Yes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, from a coaching and positive psychology lens, what we're calling for is, is to rewrite the story. When I was listening to you talk about the impact of growing up in LA and shiny things and what it did to your psyche, what I was reflecting on is who you are to me and what comes up for me when I think about you. and. It has nothing to do with accumulating wealth or shiny things at all. That's interesting. And, and do you think that's because um, our friendship? Do you think that's because you don't live near me? No. <laughs> or, like, do you, what, do you, what do you think that's because? What is it because? Why, why do you see me through, through that lens? Well, I think we have, you know, I think we have a really unique relationship and, and the relationship um, that connects us is, is based on Lumia Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the cornerstone of the way that you and I have always operated in building our business and our community has been to color outside of the lines and to call bullshit uh, for and with each other when that lens started to get distorted in terms of those really unhealthy measures of achievement. So like when I think of you, I think of the fact that you and I can call each other in moments of pain or stress. Mm -hmm. And um, that the way that we connect isn't about what we have. It's about how we are. Yeah. I think it's a common thread of um, what we uh, find uh, valuable in this world as far as helping other people, making a dent, you know, things are things that are greater than than us, right? The mission statement. Yeah. And listen, like we have a business relationship. Like that, that is, you know, who we are to each other in in a contractual lived experience way. We are business partners, but we have both chosen to center um, our emotional and lived well-being over other measures that can cause, and I think I see it in lots of partnerships that cause disruption and pain. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think um, a lot of businesses that are successful uh, that it, that it, you know the um, they might have started off as friends, or you know, it's like the garage band, and then it blows up, and then there's a lot of money that's made and stuff. A lot of times, those things ruin uh, f- uh, friendships very fast because the 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 the, the common thread that holds that relationship together um, is pulled by, um, you know, like the shine and money and all that stuff. Yeah. And relationship to failure, fear of failure, fear of, fear of loss, fear of yeah. scarcity, you know, fear of all of the different things. There's a couple of different coaching applications that I'd like to offer as a way to cope with failure when it does happen. Keeping in mind that, you know, especially as coaches, you know, baked right into the coaching process is take an action and then evaluate it, reflect on it. And what that tells us at the outset is just because we have an idea or take an action doesn't mean that it's a good one. (laughs) And, And our ability to analyze and course correct is what gives us our superpowers to adapt as a human species. 
What I was going to say is this title, How to Cope with Personal Failure, I think the answer is in this title. And what I mean by that is take out the word personal. Yes. The reason why failure weighs so much is because we internalize it. We tie it to our worth. We think if we didn't, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, building a business or lifting a weight or doing whatever, um, that doesn't make you less than because you can't. And so it's how to cope with failure. It's not how to cope with personal failure. Once you take it personally, uh, then it becomes toxic. Then it becomes dangerous. Yes. Fully agree. Fully agree. So let's break this down further. So we, we took the huge macro view of saying, all right, you know, this is society. These are the screws that are twisted in us to make us believe certain things. And if we're desensitizing and depersonalizing um, the idea of failure, you know, what are we really talking about when things go wrong? So there, there are three different kinds of missteps or when things go backwards. Um, they're tactical strategy and vision. So let's get into each one. Um, when we're thinking about a tactical failure, and it's a military term, it's a corporate term, it's a strategic term. Um, what we're really talking about is how we do something. The important thing to keep in mind here is that the idea might be a perfectly good idea. The goal might be a perfectly good goal, but the way that we set out about doing it might need to be reevaluated. And this is this can be something super simple. Like say you have a client or you have a goal to run a half marathon and you need to go get shoes to run in and you didn't do a good job communicating to the shoe guy what you needed and you ended up with kind of like clunky, you know, trail running slash hiking boots instead of like running shoes. Yeah. Um, that's a tactical error. It doesn't mean that you you can't or shouldn't go for that half marathon. It's it's an actual um, maneuverable piece. Right. Can you think of any examples of your own life where there was something you know tactical that you can recognize or that you overcame? Yeah, I mean, one of the obvious is um, relationships that have quote unquote failed because I didn't have tools. Mm because I was reactive or because I was just young or because I, I didn't, you know, have a lot of self-awareness. And um, I see a lot of relationship tools as like you're saying with the shoes, the, they're tactical things or things that uh, we acquire, we learn, and then they help us maneuver in that relationship. Absolutely. And I that's what... those failures as me being um, a bad person or less than or defective. No. And, you know, also thinking about this in terms of, you know, what goes on in relationship coaching and what goes on in, you know, relationships at large, constantly re-upping on your tool set is, is how the process works, learning mm -hmm. how to communicate more effectively with partners, um, learning to create space between reactivity. Um, yeah. Do you do that in your current relationship? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, the other thing our relationships is uh, each one is um, different in its own way. So um, in this one currently um, with where I'm at in my life, uh, yeah, constantly looking at it, growing, um, not comparing, uh, learning about myself, you know, all, all of these things. Yeah. Tactical regrouping. Mm -hmm. um, the next kind of failure to tackle is, is strategic failure. And this is the what. Because you may know why you want to do something, 
and you may know how to do something, but the strategy to get from point A to point B might need tweaking and revisiting. And sometimes it takes multiple tries to figure out how to scale or how to do, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. They say you're, you know, um, a lot of times when people quit, you're, you're one more attempt away, <laughs> you know, one more br- brush stroke, one more book, one more whatever. Um, and a lot of times people, uh, they, they, they stop too soon because of uh, the personalization of failure. Absolutely. And this is also one of the really valuable um, components of coaching is that outside lens into strategy. Yesterday, I was talking with a prospective student and he said, you know, I know why I want to become a coach. I know that I'll be able to learn how to become a good coach. But the thing that's really tripping me up is that I don't feel that I know um, how to build a practice. And I said, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, that's really common. First of all, you can learn how to do that. And second of all, have you ever considered joining a firm or a platform that hosts coaches where you that generate visibility for you? And light bulbs went off in every single direction for this human because it was just a simple twist that changed the perception of strategy. Mm-hmm. Also, when it comes to coaching, uh, there's a lot of things about coaching where there is no right way. Right. Where um, a lot of it is new. And uh, I, I compare it like uh, eating a Reese's peanut butter cup. There's no right way to do it. You're going to do it the way that's honest to you. And maybe the way you do it becomes, you know, the way that other people do it because uh, no one's done it in the way that you've done it. Absolutely. And I feel that we can learn so much about this concept of, of grit and strategy and how to do it without shame by watching little kids play. Because, yeah, yeah, right? Like little kids don't have shame attached to missteps. And and thinking about, you know, your own child, like if Logan wants to get a Lego under the couch, she will probably sit there until she does. Mm -hmm. There's a, um, there's a, a wonder in children that dissolves, unfortunately, for many of us when we become adults, that I think is a, is a superpower when it comes to, um, things like failure and not internalizing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is a good reminder that we can always go back to that curiosity. We can always turn our dial from, I can't to, I wonder how I could do things differently. I would rather, um, I think about this a lot when I have an idea and then uh, I wonder if I should execute or not, or, or at least attempt to, I would rather live knowing that I turned rocks over than being afraid to turn over a rock and then living with the wonder or the what if of what was underneath, you know? Yes. Even and if there's something under the rock, even if I turned them over and the rock and there's, it's empty. Well, at least I, at least I, I could live now that, that I've tried. Yes. And that's such an important point. You know, when we look at um, the, the positive psychology literature that's come out and, and recent literature that's been published around um, career change and transition, uh, regrets of not trying top the list as far as human reflection looking back over the course of a life. I wish I had tried is the number one thing that comes out. Um, 
And so this takes us to, to our last aspect of failure, which is vision, which is the, the failure of our why. Mm-hmm. And, and this is important to address because I think that there's, you know, an idea that when we have a future vision, if we can imagine it, we can achieve it. And that's actually not true. According to goal setting theory, the way it really works is that which can be measured can be achieved. Mm. And when we see failure of vision, especially in the realm of coaching, we usually see it for three reasons. Number one is that someone's trying to accomplish a goal that somebody else wants them to accomplish. And this is called an extrinsic goal versus an intrinsic goal. And extrinsic goals, goals that come from other people are notoriously difficult to accomplish. And that's when people usually flag out. Have you ever had a goal like that? I'm thinking about, um, so recently, uh, you know, this, uh, one of my books got optioned to be a TV show. I got really excited. And then there was a lot of things out of my control. Uh, The project then kind of collapsed once the actor um, went and got involved in a different TV show. And now I feel like I failed, but all of that had to do with, um, it was a collaborative process and, 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 and things that I had, I had no control over, but still I feel like, Oh, that project failed. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. And so if we're following this, you know, taking one of your books and, and turning it into a TV show isn't an inherently bad idea. But when it was taken out of you and the goal was directed by forces that were outside of you, it didn't really work. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. It happened to me when um, right out of undergrad, I was in really rough shape. I was so depressed. Um, I was still struggling with eating disorders and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I went to law school um, because it was something that had been said to me a lot by people in my family, my grandfather, my, my parents, you know, just go to law school. I think my dad said, you know, you can become an estate lawyer and then, and you'll be fine. Right. And, and that was an extrinsic goal. It was something that somebody else made up for me and it didn't work. An estate lawyer. Oh man. It just crazy. Right. you thinking about that. You doing that. Can you imagine? I can't, I can't imagine. Um, and another reason that, that vision can sometimes fail is that we haven't evaluated the goal to see if it's been set properly, which might also go back to to your TV show. And so we know that if the goal isn't set properly, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and and timely, right place at the right time, um, it's it might not be able to be accomplished. So in my case, thinking about you know, law school, it wasn't really attainable, realistic for me or timely. I wasn't in a mental space where I could do it. I didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't realistic for me in terms of, um, you know, mental application. And it certainly wasn't attainable for me in terms of, um, you know, at that time, understanding my own neurodiversity and, and how my brain works and what I need to do to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, so with me, once the book got optioned, I should have stamped that as a success and let it go instead of um, tying success to if that actually turns into a show, which is a whole other thing, you know, yeah. which is out of my control and not measurable for me. Oh, yeah. And and this beautifully 
brings us to our third point around, you know, why vision fails. And that's the inflexibility to adapt to a shifting environment and to reassess and reset the goal state as you learn new things. So like for me, um, obviously I'm not a lawyer, um, but I did accomplish my goal of becoming a coach. However, it looks totally different than what I thought it was going to look like when I started out. Yeah. uh, Leaving room in your vision for what I would like to call magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it may not, um, you, you may have su- succeeded. You may not know it because it's not what it, you imagine in your, in what you see. Yeah. So let's recap. So if we're, if we're pulling out and saying, okay, if we're really breaking down the aspects of kind of big failure with a capital F and saying, well, was it tactical? You know, was it the how you were approaching something? Was it strategic? Was it the, the what of your plan? Or was it the, the future vision that needed to be tweaked a little bit because either we weren't adapting or we're trying to do something for somebody else? Um, does that change your notion of what failure is and how it functions in the story of our lives? Are you asking me or is that the question that you are using as a period for this episode? Because I think it's a great one. Well, it can be both. (laughs) It can be both. So dear listener, my question to you is, you know, has this changed the way that you see yourself, you know, thinking about the messages that the world gives us and also this black and white idea of, of success or failure? Take into consideration that, you know, sometimes it involves more than thinking about it once, um, to, to really scrape the stuff that's been baked in us and to really redefine things. That's a process. That's not something that you just do um, because you heard on a podcast. It's, yes. this, this can be the beginning of that process. It can be. And, and it, it can be, um, it can be an offer. You know, I was going to say permission, but the way I see it is more like a hand reaching out to pull you out of despair right. that, that this way of approaching things is like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm collecting data about what I want to do next so that I can make my life better. Well, we hope that you have gotten something from this as far as uh, personal failure. Failure is such a wide topic and something we all struggle with. And um, if you have to listen to this again, because if you go through the steps that Noel mentioned, it can definitely shake up uh, or flip failure on its head. It can definitely do something with that word where um, it will be more digestible instead of um, you, you know, um, holding on to it and then being afraid to do things, something because you feel that you fail. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.